What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best here with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Sterling, my brother, how was your Halloween? It was good. I dressed up as Ziggy Stardust, a.k.a. David Bowie. My fiance was Stevie Nicks. We had a grand old time going over my mom's house to hand out candy. Yeah, I'm to the age now where I'm old enough where I don't want to go and party. I, I want to be in bed by 8 p.m. I don't give a hoot. I want to be sitting downstairs the martini watching the World Series game, and that's what I did. So overall, it was a great Halloween. How was yours? I don't give a hoot is really showing your age there. I don't give a um, hoot or a holler. Best, okay? I, uh, More holler. I mean, I, I've been in that phase for a long, long time. And speaking of a long, long time ago, I dressed up as a Jedi, not last not last night, but at a previous at a previous uh, Halloween party, I, I bought this costume. Yeah, I bought this costume something like four or five years ago. Really expensive Jedi um, costume. Stupid, stupid purchase, impulse purchase, like 150 bucks. And my wife rightfully is like, you got to wear this thing more than once. You got to keep wearing this thing. Don't be an idiot. And, and, uh, and I did. It was fun. Well, if everyone listening, if they don't want to be idiots, you should download FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, you want to take advantage of this limited time offer. After signing up, new users must deposit $10 and place a first wager of $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet. If your first bet wins, you will receive $150 in bonus bets. With the NBA season starting last week, FanDuel is offering a special second promo to all users. If you place your bet on, NBA, on any NBA pregame Moneyline, will also be eligible to receive three months of NBA League Pass for free, whether you win or lose. This is on top of receiving the $150 in bonus bets if your first bet wins. You'll be eligible for both promos by setting up through our link, bit.ly forward slash arrow150. Using our link not only gets you these fantastic bonuses, but also directly supports the podcast. So if you've not signed up for FanDuel, make sure to do it by scanning the QR code on screen or clicking the link the link in the description below. The link is bit.ly forward slash arrow 150. The offer is available to new customers with Tournament Plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the terms and the sign-up link of the offer. Then you switched it up on me, Richard. You switched it up on me. Those last two lines are different. I got befuddled there. You never get befuddled. So we've got a great show for you guys today. I'm really excited to talk about the epic meltdown going on with the Las Vegas Raiders. That's going to be fun. But first, here to brief us on the Miami Dolphins, let's welcome Alfredo Ortega from Three Yards Per Carry podcast. Alfredo is coming on. We're having some, some technical issues with his video, so it'll just be sound. Alfredo, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So we have a six. We have six questions for you. Let's crack open that six pack. The Dolphins have looked unstoppable against bad teams and kind of flawed against contenders. Why have they been so schizophrenic? Well, you got to take both games uh, separately, right? Against the Bills, they had an absolute meltdown on defense. I didn't think the offense played all that bad, really. Uh, the score uh, was, yeah, they scored two touchdowns in the first half. They scored on the first two possessions of the game. And then on the first possession of the second half, they scored another touchdown. They went for two when it was 31-20. They had another touchdown called back, and they had an, yet another touchdown called back for an offensive pass interference. So... Had they stayed on schedule against the Buffalo Bills, they would have scored over 30 points uh, rather easily. It was just an absolute meltdown on defense in that game. And you can blame it on a bunch of factors. Uh, chief among them was they had zero pass rush in that game. They had a couple of injuries, but that was no excuse. They were just bad. Against the Eagles, I feel that, and a lot of Dolphin fans feel, not that they would have won the game, but I feel that the officials probably robbed the public of a pretty good finish in that game. Because that game was tight and it was it was going to be decided by either one possession one way or the other or possibly who had the ball last. And it was just that avalanche of bad penalties and 
uh, I don't know. It was it was a, a, a series of events that conspired to make what was a very, very close game in the fourth quarter uh, kind of open up a little bit in the last four minutes. Uh, I want to talk about Tyree Kill here. He, this is the big storylines. Tyree Kill's return to playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Who has the advantage here in your mind? Because the Chiefs obviously know Tyree Kill very well. But also Tyreek Hill knows the Chiefs and the defense and Spags' tendencies very well. Who has the advantage in this return? I believe the Chiefs have the advantage in in this regard. If the Dolphins want to feature him to, I don't know, make it look good uh, in his return against Kansas City, it's going to get away from a lot of the things that they've been working on as of late to try to get Jalen Waddell involved. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but he has had a slow start to his season. He's come on as of late. They're trying to involve many other players as well. They're trying to throw the ball to their backs. And they're trying to get Chase Claypool and Cedric Wilson more involved, as well as Berrios on third down. So if they if they have an over-reliance on Tyreek Hill, it's going to take away from what's actually made them really, really good this year. Because, yes, Tyreek Hill has record. He's on a record pace, and he has huge numbers. But this offense actually hums when they're running the football and they're involving everybody across the board. It's a good point. I mean, quite, uh, quite frankly, I mean, I was talking to actually Raheem Mostert last week, but it, it, it's a point you bring up here. They're actually most effective in the NFL when they run the football. They just just gash teams on the ground, which is a little interesting considering all the talk is always about through the air, through the air. But quite frankly, against Kansas City, I think the best bet to trying to beat them is on the ground. I think it's a very good point here. Yeah, and let's continue with that running game. The Dolphins' rushing attack still ranks first in running DVOA, but it's stalled the last couple of weeks. Can they get this rushing attack going again without Devon Achan? Yes, against the, against the Eagles, Eagles completely stifled their entire run game. Their entire plan seemed to run and isolate uh, Hassan Reddick in that game, and that just didn't work out. Hassan Reddick has a reputation as being a poor run defender. Not in this game. Not in that game. So in the second half, they decided to get more to their perimeter runs, their outside zone runs, and they found a little bit of success. Uh, This past week, they had four-fifths of their offensive line go down in that game. So they had one starter at the end of the game. So I would would blame the offensive line, but there is something to be said for the rookie, Devon Achan, who's coming back for that Raider game in a couple of weeks. Uh, Since he's gone out, their running game has looked a little less than dynamic. So it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of issues, but mostly it's been all those backup offensive linemen that keep having to play. The good news is it looks like they're going to be a lot healthier this week. Does that include Teron Armstead? I mean, when he's there, he is one of the best left tackles in football, right? Uh, when he's healthy, the offensive line, as you mentioned, is healthy. Tua Tagovailoa with time is very very effective but we know he's not the best scrambler he's already said himself he's tried to work on learning how to fall sometimes that added pressure might be a little extra considering he might be having too many things going through his dome at one time is Teron Armstead supposed to play in this game and who should be back on the offensive line for Miami well they just opened up his uh 21 day window so he's practicing today uh, the big news is that Rob Hunt did get injured in that New England game. He's told everybody that he will play on this Sunday. Uh, he's actually more important, in my opinion, than Teron Armstead for this game because Kendall Lamb has been an absolute revelation this year. Uh, Teron Armstead has only really played one half. That's that half against the Denver Broncos, and you saw what they did that day. But uh, he's been injured all year. He was injured all camp. Kendall Lamb has stepped in admirably. He's played absolutely fabulous at left tackle. Rob Hunt is the guy who, if I had to bet, was going to make first-team All-Pro this year. He's the guy that would make first-team All-Pro. Chiefs have a very disruptive three-tech, Chris Jones. So I think Rob Hunt will be essential in this game. He's battling a hamstring injury. He's told everybody he's playing. But he did show up on the on the injury report today as a DMP with a hamstring. So that's one to monitor all the way until Friday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's stick with health here. Corners Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. It sounds like as of today, they should suit up together for the first time all season. How will this bolster the Miami defense, which currently ranks 20th in EPA per play? Well, we're going to get fine. We're going to finally get to see this secondary intact for the first time. When they announced it, it sounded really good to have somebody like Javon Holland, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Kerry Kohu, who's always been a pretty good nickel corner, uh, who had a great rookie season last year. So, you know, you wanted to see them play. They haven't played a single down together. It looks like Javon Holland is back from concussion protocol. He will play this week. He is practicing. And he has no restrictions, so he shall play Sunday. Xavier Howard was approached today by the media, was asked after having a two-week absence. Um, now, he did say against the Eagles, yeah, I'm not missing this game for nothing in the world. And then he was made inactive. But <laughs> he did practice full today. So Xavier Howard should be a go on Sunday. And you saw Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey had no setbacks. He looks fine. So, yeah, you will see the Dolphins secondary intact for the first time this season how do you think they look because that's always very difficult you know you see the names Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey and you're sitting here going that's a hell of a cornerback pair right there those are two incredible CBs but also part of me thinks one how much will they play and two that's great they've been practicing but that's not game speed it's not game action the physicality the nature is just a little different what are expectations for you in regards to those two guys well, New England is not the Kansas City Chiefs, but if that first game, that debut by Jalen Ramsey was any indication, he's ready to go. He forced a fumble. He had that interception. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw some of the mic'd ups, but Christian uh, Wilkins was giving it to him on the sideline saying, you made me block all the way down the field not to score. And he did actually run out of bounds. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what I did. I just stepped out of bounds at the 50-yard line. He should have scored on that. He looked fabulous. Uh Xavier Howard looked great as when he went out with his injury. He was having a good season. Teams were avoiding him as they were attacking Eli Apple on the other side. Well, <laughs> there, there is no uh, Our old that's, friend. That's one benefit to having Xavier Howard back and Jalen Ramsey back is that Eli Apple will not start on the boundary uh, this time. So you know, expectations are extremely high for those two guys, especially since the pass rush has been coming along lately. Will Eli Apple play in the slot? Is that where he would typically move into? Who's your slot corner? Because right now, as far as me sitting here as a Chiefs guy, Rasheed Rice has been thriving in the slot. So I'm trying to get a good feel of who is he going to be potentially going up against if it is Eli Apple? I'm not going to lie. I like the Chiefs' odds in this situation. The Chiefs' wide receivers have struggled as far as the outside wide receivers go. But when they're in the slot, especially Rasheed Rice, I think he can get it going. Is Eli Apple the guy who's probably going to be tasked with the slot corner spot? No, it's going to be Kader Kohu, who had a great season last year. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys believe in next-gen stats, but they named him the third-best cover corner in football last year. Wow. Uh, but he's that in the slot as a nickel player. This year, they tried to play him on the outside. He got absolutely roasted against Stephon Diggs. It's not what he does. He is a slot corner. He's a good tackler. He's a physical blitzer. He's good in the slot. That's where he will return once we have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey on the outside. Eli Apple, I don't believe, will even make the dime because that's Nick Needham's job, who's coming back from an Achilles injury, who practiced – and played last week, I think Eli Apple gets relegated to backup duty and special teams as mm. soon as they suit up Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey together on Sunday. Damn, that's too bad. We would love to take another bite out of the apple, you know? <laughs> oh, that's too, yeah, you looked really sad there, Best. You're only sad because that means he doesn't get to get torched. But uh, what is your prediction for Sunday morning? For me, my prediction is I will have three or more um, either Bloody Marys, uh, you know, some OJ screwdrivers, 
But for you, what is the prediction for Sunday morning with the Dolphins send a message in Germany? And who is your star of the game? Well, too many mimosas early in the morning is not is not agreeable. So and well, I don't want to start. Come on, what? come on, that not agreeable. Come Maybe on. one or one or two, but I'm not really a mimosa kind of guy. You know, I'm more of a bourbon and maybe beer guy. Hey. So I guess I'll crack the first beer in the third quarter. But I do expect a great game. Um, I do believe this is the, the best two teams in the AFC, and I expect Miami is coming into this game and kind of circled this game for a while. They've been holding out players for weeks for. Reasons unknown to many, especially that Eagle game that looked like, I don't know, that looked like a like they had they were playing an out of conference game against the Pac-12 or something against the Eagles because when they had when they released that act, that inactive list, I was like, I thought we wanted to win this game. Why are we sitting out the entire secondary against the the Eagles? They getting everybody back for this week, and they seem to be activating all of them. They arrived there Tuesday morning. The Chiefs, I believe, are making a mistake by trying to travel over there tomorrow. late tomorrow morning. Yeah. So I think they'll they'll get a jump on the Chiefs, and I think they hold on in this game. The pass rush is really coming on. They lead the league in quarterback hits. They're third in sacks. Uh, I think they'll employ that pass rush to keep it close, and they'll win it late with a touchdown. Uh, I'm not expecting fireworks. I'm actually not expecting – a lot of points. Uh, I believe the over-under is, what, hmm. 51 right now? Yeah. You know what? If this game is played in the 20s, I think that's right. I don't think we're going to get a game played in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, I'm actually with you there, man. I I, I think the under is the play here. I'm, I wouldn't listen to me, okay, because I'm a horrible better. Like, I'm just atrocious. But I, I love the under in this game. I do think Miami is going to run the football a lot. And quite frankly, I think the Chiefs are a little bit in the same boat. They've not been super effective on the outside. They're going to go up the middle, a lot of short yardage situations, a lot of short passes. I'm with you, man. I, I'm with you on the under here. Yeah, and as far as who has the advantage in a close game, uh, the Chiefs have a massive advantage at field goal kicking. Miami has had issues with Jason Sanders. I know he was good in the past. He hasn't been very good for the last two years. Um, so, yeah, if, if I'm going to predict the winner, it's going to be Miami, and it's going to be by a touchdown late, something like, let's call it 27-24, something like that. And your star, you mentioned the pass rush. Is, that, is this going to be a Christian Wilkins-Jalen Phillips game? Are you uh, kind of singling out someone else? Yeah, Bradley Chubb has had a, a really, really good season, but you just mentioned him. Jalen Phillips has come back from injury strong. Uh, he's making a big play a game, it seems, and he's getting a rhythm rushing from from the weak side. So I expect him to be a problem in this game, and I expect him to to be in Mahomes' face. It's He's going to be extremely important in this game. Uh, that will be my star of the game. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Alfredo, and great luck on Sunday. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. I, I seen the chat. KCDC said rum and pineapple is the move, and I have never agreed with someone more. KCDC, you are correct. Rum and pineapple in the morning is just the move. It's my golf move when I'm golfing at like 7 a.m., nice early morning tea time. You want to get the juices flowing, but you also want to stay healthy. You got to get the rum and pineapple. And by the way, I'm trying to be a pirate, and I can't be a pirate all day unless I crack open some rum in the morning. That's a very astute observation there, KCDC. I think Alfredo also had an astute observation. Mimosas, very good. You knock back one or two. You drink those all day, you'll have the worst hangover you've ever seen. That amount of sugar just, mm, you'll wake up the next morning hating life. Hopefully that's what the Dolphins do uh, after their flight back from Germany. You ready for a little hot take kingdom? Let's do it, baby. I, I see we're not giving our predictions with the Miami guy there. We normally wait. We normally wait and give our predictions. If you want mine, you can get it. I've already told you I like the under in this game. I think it's pretty decently under. But you said game. you're a bad better, so who's going to take that bet? Yeah, no one should. No one should. But the game script I'm seeing is pretty uh, favorable for Kansas City personally. I really never pick against the Chiefs. Uh, I've learned my lesson picking against Mahomes. I'm certainly not going to pick against them two games in a row. So I'm taking the Chiefs. I don't know the score yet, but I think Tyree Kill is going to come out here very motivated and kind of put on a show, and the Chiefs are going to have to keep up with him. 
my concern is, and this is weird to say about the Chiefs, but I'm concerned that this team isn't built to play from behind if they get down a couple of scores. Really weird thing to say about the Chiefs because that's kind of been where they've been the most comfortable over the Mahomes era. But this particular team is not built like that. They're kind of built more to get a lead and sustain it. So I'm hoping they can come out crisp, jump to a lead, and and kind of keep it. Let's do some hot take kingdom. Best. I've, I, I've been waiting for this, pal. I know. We had, a, we had a week off last week. But this week's hot take kingdom is the Las Vegas Raiders are the worst run team in football, perhaps all of sports. <laughs> Welcome to the kingdom. Man, you're going to have to help me figure this out because I don't understand why Raiders owner Mark Davis inexplicably waited until hours after the trade deadline to fire head coach Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler. What, what do you buy? I mean, how do you comprehend that? What do you? I actually, I actually have thoughts on this, and it was brought to me by my producer over there at ESPN Kansas City and 810, Dylan Michaels. It was a very great observation, one I hadn't even thought of, and now it makes all the sense in the world, okay? Get mm-hmm. ready for it. Once I say it, your mind's going to be blown and say, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. The reason why they waited until after the trade deadline was because they didn't trust those buffoons, okay, to make something stupid happen. They, this is when they could sit on their hands and say, you are not making a move. We are not going to allow it. Nothing's going to happen. You guys are canned after the trade deadline, okay? You're done. We don't want someone else coming in and trying to make trades. You guys are done. We're going to make sure you sit on your hands and you can't make any moves. And that's what that's the reason behind it. The reason was they waited so that way they could control what did and didn't happen. That's the thought process that was told to me, and now it makes so much sense. I guess so. My problem is Devontae Adams is losing value by the day. His expiration date is around the corner. He is a descending star that I think they could have unloaded for pretty healthy draft capital. Now, they're not going to get the first they gave up to the Packers, but they could have easily gotten a second rounder for him. Oh, and uh, Josh Jacobs is a running back. He's on, right. It's on a, a one-year deal. As much as Jimmy G is two scoops of ass, which again, once I have to give some credit to Kyle Shanahan, might be the best head coach in the history of the NFL for taking that bum to a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> seriously, I mean, C.J. Bethard, Nick Mullins, Jimmy G, and Brock Purdy. Gosh, Shanahan, I, I, maybe we need to give that dude more credit. But again, Healy's maybe had some value if you wanted to trade him to, uh, let's go ahead and say, Minnesota. Don't you think they would have preferred Jimmy G over Josh Dobbs? I would like to think so, but they didn't do anything. Yeah, the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is... He's Jimmy that Garoppolo? Da- well, the other problem with Jimmy, with Jimmy G is that his 20, uh, 24 dead cap is roughly $28 million. And then he's got another 12 or so in 2025. So he is not a rental that you can just rent for one year. And the crazy thing about the Raiders bringing him in as the Derek Carr replacement, they're benching him only six games in. It was announced today that he is going to sit the pine and be Aiden O'Connell's backup. So they're already giving up on Jimmy Garoppolo And I think that's kind of the problem with this franchise. They signed Devontae Adams, right? They signed Chandler Jones to a massive contract. And that was an absolute hot mess. And I'm not sure if it's because of the move and they want to sell tickets and, and kind of have the facade that they're a contender, but I think they've, they've uh, behaved as if they're a contender and they're the furthest thing from it. So they've kind of put themselves in a really bad spot. Also, they should have never hired Bilicek wannabe Josh McDaniel in the first place. He was a failed coach in Denver. He's had issues almost everywhere he's been, especially when he's not under Bilicek's shadow. And let's be honest, outside of New England, when the Patriots have not only Bill Bilicek, but the, the most important ingredient, Tom Brady, where has the Patriot way ever worked anywhere else? Yeah. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, those were great, great hires. By the way, people also forget, this is brought up to me, I, I forgot about it. Remember when he took a job with the Colts and then backed out? 
Right. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll be the Colts head coach. Uh, Thanks for giving me a second opportunity, Jim Irsay. And then he bails. And the reasoning behind it was because his wife told him no, because allegedly Jim Irsay took too long in the bathroom. Are you serious? Are you out of your mind? Yeah, look that story up. That's a real good reason to not take the head coach job. I mean, it's really something to out asshole Jim Irsay. My hat is off to uh, Josh McDaniels. Um, So then we get to the draft, which we've been over on this program before. But most recently, seventh overall pick, Tyree Wilson, out of, I believe, Patrick Mahomes' alma mater, currently has a dismal 4.2% pass rush win rate. That is maybe below replacement level. It is bad. So they picked basically a project player over Jalen Carter, who looks just like a kaiju monster out there. He is completely unblockable. But this is normal for them. They overdraft raw players all the time. They pay no attention to the big board and they draft almost solely on attributes and completely disregard production. It's crazy. Their first round history is just littered with unforced errors, right? Superstar Clellan Farrell. I mean, I wonder what Darius Hayward Bay's up to. Uh, oh, that, that may, may have been the Steelers. I forget who drafted him. I know that he was there. I think it was the Raiders. Uh, they just have a plethora, a plethora of just absurdities in the first round. It's incredible. Yeah. Colton Miller looks like a, a pretty good pick or has been a pretty good pick. But even Josh Jacobs... You picked a running back in the first round. That's not going to pay dividends. And then Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack were pretty good picks, but they traded them away. Uh, And I don't blame them. Those guys wanted out. Who wouldn't want out of this mess? And this stat right here, I think, illustrates their futility more than any other I've found. The Raiders have the worst point differential by far over the past 20 years, almost 400 points worse than the next team the Cleveland Browns, who have been bad themselves. So they're like, I mean, they're almost at like 2,000, negative 2,000. They're like 25% worse than any other team. And just not even close uh, to being competitive. So this is a rudderless franchise. They have no identity. They have an embarrassing reputation. And from John Gruden to Henry Ruggs, it's just one disaster after the next. With a cash-poor owner, who seems completely clueless. I mean, look at the haircut. I hate to say it. I hate to point out looks, but that, you know, in this instance. That's willingly. Like that, that's not like, that's willingly. You don't make some uh, fun of someone who has like, who's, who's balding or who's, you know, you can't help certain situations, right? You know, you can't help. He can help that. He cannot put a bowl on his dome and then cut his lettuce. Like, and then does he bleach it? Like, I don't, I don't know, know, man. He asked for the dumb and dumber cut. That's what I think he does. But my my pet opinion or, or, or like theory here is that he is so rich and not compared to NFL owners, but compared to most of us average Joes that he thinks he can get away with that haircut. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just his attempt at being a Bond villain or something. But, you know, honestly, this makes me a little sad because I grew up watching NFL films, hearing stories about Al Davis and the Raiders. And I know how much they meant to kind of the NFL becoming what it is. And every good story needs a rival. And in the rogues gallery of of Chiefs villains, they've been one of the best. But during most of my adult life, they have been a laughingstock. And, you know, it's just... I mean, we're lucky that they're that bad. It's good for us, but it is kind of sad. So, Sterling, you've heard my case. Are you coming into the castle or staying outside its walls? The only other teams you can think of, and I'll go out to NBA too. So, NBA, I will. I would say the New York Knicks have a real good case with James Dolan. Uh, congratulations to the Sphere because that's actually badass in Vegas of all places. Like that's really cool. Uh, but he does not know how to run an NBA franchise. It's atrocious. Uh, in baseball, obviously, Oakland. Um, that is just, I, in my opinion, wrong what's going on out there. So that's the worst, in my opinion, because what's happening in Oakland, in my opinion, is just completely wrong to the fans. Um, and in the NFL, the only one you can really think of, 
you can somewhat say before it got taken over the Broncos with John Elway, that whole situation, right? And everyone was fighting over what's going to happen. But now it's the Waltons, so you're good there. Uh, Browns have been bad, but they at least care. You know, like they at least seemingly try. They uh, spend. They spend. They so. spend. And then you're left with the Raiders. If you want to say Rams because of the way what, you know, Stan Kroenke, and I know a lot of St. Louis people are not going to like Stan Kroenke. I'm not a fan of Kroenke. I, nope. I, think, what he, I think what he did was, uh, again, uh, disingenuous. It was uh, duplicitous of him to, to act like that. And then all of a sudden just pick up and go to L.A. I hate that about uh, what he did. But then he won a ring. Like, he spent a bleep ton of money and won a ring. I don't like what he did, but it's hard to disagree with the result there. It has to be. This is the worst run franchise in the NFL. They're paying John Gruden an absurd amount of money. Now you're paying Josh McDaniels an absurd amount of money. Again, you should never have hired Josh McDaniels. Stick with Basaccia, Rich Basaccia a dude that the team rallied around, went to the playoffs with, and everyone seemed to love. Then they had Derek Carr. Is he or is he not a franchise quarterback? I don't know, but I know he's damn better than Jimmy G. And by the way, Devontae Adams only came and signed with the Raiders because he wanted to play with Jimmy or with uh, Derek Carr. Former teammates at Fresno State. No wonder he's pissed off. The team sucks. You traded away the whole reason he came there. Well, besides the bleep ton of money. But I understand his frustrations. This team is a dumpster fire. And quite frankly, that's disrespectful to dumpster fires. What is up with Davis hiring the same coaches twice? So not only was John Gruden a retread, Art Shell. You remember that they hired him twice? They brought him back for one year in 2006. They've had just a bunch of mysterious coaching hires and now they're to the point where they're firing coaches they can't afford to hire. So it sounds like you're coming in. I'm definitely coming in. And what an incredible comment from angry, drunken German. The autumn wind now attracts possums and trash pandas. That's great, man. It's the autumn yeah, wind. It's just a great thing from NFL films, but they have ruined that. Uh, just the mystique is gone. It is totally gone. The, the, the aura, you know, they used to be the silver and black and now they're just, you know, some, some pit stop in Vegas for it's silver and trash. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like go to Vegas, play some poker, see some shows, see some Cirque de Soleil, whatever the hell it's called and uh, watch your team run over the Raiders. And I will say another thing that pissed me off it, the fact they went to Vegas, you, you see, it, it's not a real home field advantage. Like they have to go at silent counts at home. It's too loud because of the opposing fans. Fans want to go and have a good time. They go to Vegas to have fun. They go, they go to gamble. They go to lose a lot of money. They go to experience the the absurdities that is Las Vegas. You don't go and live there and become a mess. They're transplants. Like it, you at least had this rivalry, this as much as I hated the Raiders fans because they're just creepy and absurd and just so out there. It was fun. They were like the Island of Misfit toys. You hated them, but also you're like, it's endearing. You're like so ugly. And I appreciate this rivalry we have, even though you are slightly scary and kind of come on now. You're 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 48 years old. You don't need to wear spikes and and do all that stuff. But they were the NFL's yeah. ugly ducklings. And they took away all the fun. They took that away. The black hole is not the black hole anymore. Congrats on having a cool little flame that, that burns eternal in your stadium, but it doesn't burn for the Raiders. It burns just to burn. The black hole is now in the soul of Raiders fans. And when they're good, it's cool that you dress up like a Mad Max extra and, you know, rampage in the stands and, and perhaps even shank somebody. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the video of uh, a fight between Chargers fans and Raiders fans where someone got shanked. It was crazy. Uh, I actually went Wait, out. a Chargers fan? Yes. Yes. Uh, they exist. You know, it's like a Bigfoot sighting, but they do mm. exist. I actually went out to, uh, there's a year where I, where I wrote for Fox Sports covering the NFL. 
I went out to Oakland on assignment dressed from head to toe in Chiefs gear for a Raiders game. And during the first half, the Raiders were winning and everyone was nice. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe they just have a bad reputation. Maybe we've got these guys all wrong. And, and this is like, you know, the Bernard Pollard, Jared Page, like that, that era uh, of Chiefs. The Chiefs come back and win. And I'm with Raiders fans who, who I'd worked with and knew. And they're like, you should be the last one out of the stadium. Why don't you just you know, sit here with us and let this place empty because we fear for your life. <laughs> so it, it did get a little scary uh, once the Chiefs started winning there. Dog, if you fear for your life at a sporting event, folks need to calm down. Hey, it's like that with soccer too. I mean, you go watch a some soccer game in Columbia. Uh, didn't they like, didn't, what, a guy get, didn't a guy get killed for scoring on his own team accidentally in the Olympics? Dude, I have no idea. That's, that's what I read once, or I think I read. I like Michael Donegan here saying it's almost like the buried arrowhead flag is a real thing. Uh, yeah. The, the flag in the, in Vegas arrowhead West it's, it's the curse baby. Yeah, I think they I think Vegas will long term be a bad move for them. You got that dog in you, or is that a little dog in your in your place? I, I got a dog in me. It's better than the dog that's in the Raiders. Let's go hit up the next favorite thing, the KC stock market. Pump or dump. With Nick Bolton and possibly Willie Gay out on Sunday, the Chiefs will struggle to stop the vaunted Miami running game. Pump or dump? Big pump. Big pump. This is the thing that scares me. This is the only thing that scares me. I think the Chiefs actually match up very well with the Miami wide receivers. I think this is actually a very good matchup for Kansas City compared to a lot of teams in the NFL. The Chiefs have very good corners, a very good secondary, and they get after the quarterback. They're going to put a lot of pressure on Tua Tagovailoa. He might crumble. The issue is they've been so effective on the ground. I understand no Devon Achan. You know, Raheem Mostart is 31. Is he okay to take on a full workload? They have Jeff Wilson Jr., also a former 49er for some odd reason. Um, but I think that's where I'd be scared if I was Kansas City. Them just going up the middle, five, six yards of carry, no Nick Bolton, a banged up Willie Gay Jr. You know, even Drew Tranquil missed a snap. You know, he had to go out for a second and come back in last game. Um, yeah, that's the only thing that makes me nervous about the Miami, uh, the Miami offense right now. I'm pumping as well. We've got Drew Tranquil, who I have faith in. Leo Chanel, a little less. And then Jack Cochran and some guy named Cam Jones, that gets a little scary. And you can say whatever you want about Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson being older, being journeymen. Those two dudes know this system and have a better feel for the stretch zone than maybe any two running backs in the league. They get it done in this system. So. I was going to say, I, I talked to Raheem Mostert last week. Again, if you guys want to do us a huge favor, if you want to help support this, go to Stacking the Box and look up and give a like on the Raheem Mostert interview I did there. Stacking the Box on YouTube. Uh, would really appreciate it after this show. But I talked to Raheem also about the Kansas City Chiefs and, and Jarek McKinnon and all that stuff. But just in general, how is he able to, at age 31, be this effective? And he goes... Not his fault, not necessarily what he would like, but he didn't have a lot of miles put on him when he was younger, a la Jerick McKinnon, because of the way San Fran used him. A lot, of, a lot of teams used him, right? He bounced around. He got released from five different teams before he finally found a footing in San Fran a couple of years ago. But you're right. And the, the similarities here is he learned this in Shanahan, a Shanahan system. And what does Mike McDaniel do? He runs a pretty similar Shanahan system down there. So Raheem Mostert was a great fit offensively. He's been doing basically the same exact thing for years now. So he has a very good feel, as you mentioned, for this stretch zone, zone running. He was Shanahan's run game coordinator there when they discovered Raheem Mostert. And he kind of had that transcendent playoff run that ultimately culminated in a loss to the Chiefs. But if you remember, he unleashed Raheem Mostert on the Packers and, you know, he just eviscerated them. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Mike McDaniel. Not this week, of course, but I think he is a very imaginative play caller. And he, at this point, 
For my money, he uses motion better than any play caller in the league. So we're going to have to watch out for that. And I think not just from a talent perspective with our linebackers, a communication perspective. If they're running the, these speed demons all over uh, the fields uh, pre-snap, we're going to have to have our head on straight and be communicating. So, yes, I am absolutely worried about, about that matchup. Uh, the second one, the Chiefs made a mistake going into 2023 with this wide receiver group and made a bigger mistake not fixing it at the trade deadline, pump or dump. I'm pumping. Not as aggressively as the last one, but I'm definitely pumping. Just, I, I kind of want to look at Andy Reid here because in his 24 years as a head coach, he's coached approximately 156 receivers. Only five have recorded 1,000 yard seasons. So I'm a little concerned that Andy Reid, and it works, you know, but he undervalues the wide receiver position at a time where it has never been more important. If you look at things like uh, wins above replacement, there is a strong argument that this is the second most important position in the NFL. And one reason for that is if you look at offensive line, that is a weak link system. Same thing with the secondary and cornerbacks. If there's one bad corner, they're going to get picked on. If you have one you know, unstoppable receiver, a Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown, you can put them in an island and they can completely take over a game no matter what a defense does. It's very valuable. I mean, I mentioned A.J. Brown. Look at the difference between when he was in Tennessee and then Tennessee after him. And then before he was in Philadelphia, they were barely a playoff. They were playoff roadkill. And then they made the Super Bowl. I think it's a very important position. And the Chiefs, I don't know if it's if it's Reed, if it's Veach, but I feel like philosophically they just do not want to spend on the position. And what happens when, when you want to moneyball the position is that you overpay a guy like MVS. I would rather pay A.J. Brown $25 million than pay – Justin Reed and MVS the same amount. That that's just the way I think about it. Now I don't necessarily think that the approach of we're going to keep drafting second rounders and we're going to trade for failed first rounders is a bad approach. But you you have to hit, and I think McColl. I, I mean, he wasn't a hit. He wasn't an egregious pick because he did he did produce, but. Kadarius Tony is a disaster right now. He's played eight snaps two weeks in a row. Eight snaps. Can't even get on the field. Uh, Sky Moore looks lost. He looks like he's lost all confidence in himself. I'm not sure he's ever fully mentally uh, come back from what happened to him last year. And the only silver lining here is Rasheed Rice, who led the team in uh, receiving group in snaps last week. And I think if you look at the history of rookie receivers – after the buy, they kind of explode if they're starting to roll beforehand. So I think he might be our saving grace here. But this is an unacceptable group, and I think Mahomes has zero trust in them, and it's it's really affecting his play because he just is holding the ball too long. Yeah. Um, who are the five? Do you know the five wide receivers? I'm assuming Terrell Owens, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jeremy Macklin, who Macklin may have done it in Philly and in Kansas city, right? Right. Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson. And I don't know. I couldn't think of the fifth James Kevin, thrash. <laughs> no, he, he had like 800 yards. Kevin Curtis, I believe Kevin Curtis. Wow. Blast from the past. So those, those are the five and people will say, well, Kelsey is a de facto receiver. Well, you know, he actually blocks and has different utilization. Uh, Andy Reed does that West coast system. Loves throwing the backs, loves throwing the tight ends. But I think they've gone a little far, you know. I'm actually going to do a slight dump on this one. I'm not going to disagree if you say, you know, this wide receiver group, we should have known this, that, and the other. I I understand your frustration. I've been very frustrated too. I'm not going to deny it. I've been very frustrated. But part of me is sitting here thinking with the, with the stuff that you brought up, the uh, complex playbook that, that the chiefs have. And quite frankly, they have a lot of slot wide receivers. You know how we went into this season and we kept saying, 
everyone does something a little differently. You know, they, they, they're combined greater than the sum of their parts and this, that, and the other. Well, now I sit here eight weeks in and outside of MVS and Justin Watson, every single wide receiver is a slot. Sky Moore is best in the slot, but he's played 61% of his snaps on the outside. Guess what? That's not his role. They're putting him in a bad spot. Has he not been up for the challenge? You bet your ass. But at the same time, they're not putting him in the best spot to succeed. You know why? Because Rasheed Rice, the guy we all thought was going to be the outside wide receiver, has been on the inside playing the slot, and he's thrived. He's been great on the on the inside at the slot. But McCole Hardman, we know, is better in the slot. You know, Kadarius Toney's better in the slot when he can get some space and, and shake some dudes. That's been the issue is they're all slot receivers. And you might say, well, Sterling, what's the big difference between outside and on the slot? I was talking to some former Chiefs wide receivers, and it's a huge difference because on the outside, you're constantly going up against the best of the best in the NFL. When you're playing the slot, you're going up against third-string cornerbacks, safeties, and at times, linebackers. So it makes a lot more sense to have success in the slot than on the outside. It's easier. A lot of times, the matchups are easier. So I think Sky Moore, if he was playing in the slot, we might not be having the same conversation. But he's being forced to play on the outside. He's not an outside wide receiver. Whether it's his fault, the Chiefs, development, you guys be the judge. But I don't think it's fair to completely blame this all on him. That's where I'm coming from here. Should the Chiefs have made a bigger move? They could have. But also, I'm not a huge fan of paying debit and credit, giving up draft capital to all of a sudden turn around and pay a guy. Um, The Chiefs have tried. They've tried. They've spent multiple second-round draft picks. They haven't hit, whether this is development, whether it's scheme, or whether it's identification of talent, there is a loss somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but there is a disconnect somewhere. Well, I think the whole Tyreek Hill situation caught them off guard, and they've never fully recovered from that and recalibrated because that happened like so late in their offseason Man, I don't know. I, I know what you said about Rasheed Rice. I always thought he was going to be a power slot because that is where he was the most efficient in college. You were the only one, and, and quite frankly, I gave you some credit today on radio, actually, so congratulations. I was, I said Adam Bass was about the only guy I heard say he would make sense as a power slot. I was talking to Daniel Harms, a film analyst, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we all thought Rasheed Rice, if he was going to be on the field, was going to be an outside guy. That's what he was in college. You know, tall, bigger body guy can go up and get it. But you called it. I said Adam Best. He said power slot, and look what we've seen so far. That is a great call you had there, Best. Well, I looked at Juju Smith-Schuster departing, and if you compare their physical attributes, there's there's a lot of similarities. And then I looked at yards per route run, where Rasheed Rice absolutely crushed zone and crushed out of the slot. So you see the highlights, and you see him going up there and making contested catches and uh, burning people downfield. But what you don't see is you don't see the drops in those situations. You don't see the concentration lapses or the the inability to separate at different times. Uh, Also, he was playing hurt last year. And I think that's one of the reasons we got such a gem is he had that that foot issue, that toe issue. Um, He really has to step up down the stretch for this wide receiver room to survive. Let's move from the passing game. Really quickly, okay, j- okay. J- j- just, just, I just have a little bit more thoughts on this. I know yeah. uh, we're, we're kind of diving deep into this. It's supposed to be pump or dump, but I, but I like the expansion that we're having on this, the conversation we're having on this. Um, another thought process we were going and talking about was Sky Moore is also not the first option on hardly any play. It's Travis Kelsey. Then it's Travis Kelsey number two as they try and shift and get open because they have that connection, right? So mm-hmm. it's Kelsey's first read. Then it's is I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying this is the way it's been. Is Kelsey going to go left? Is he going to go right? What's he going to do with the little off-brand stuff? Then it's been Rasheed Rice. Sky Moore has been the fourth option. So I was talking and thinking this through. I'm like, Sky Moore actually has been open more times than than I think people are giving him credit for. But by the time Mahomes gets to him in the read, he's option four, option five, he's not looking his way. So whether it's a trust issue or just he's focused so much on, on, on Travis Kelsey, taking too much time there, there is something wrong. I don't know how they fix it. Don't know if Eric Bieniemy would have screamed this into Mahomes and, and Matt Nagy's too nice, whether it's Andy Reid. I don't know. 
But there is a disconnect there. And I only think it's slightly fair to bring up because trust me, I like um, not ripping on players, but holding them accountable, right? They make a lot of money. They make a ton of money. They have jobs to do. They're out there for the open. It's very easy to rip on these guys. But at times, Sky Moore has looked bad. He should have caught that ball. But I don't want to pile on when at times, I don't think it's completely his fault. Yeah. You know, there are some alarming stats with Sky Moore. I don't have them on hand right now, but just his separation has not been there like you think it would be for a guy that was kind of hailed as a separator coming out of college uh, who's supposed to have this exquisite package of releases. We're just not seeing it. And I think what we're not seeing especially is he just does not have a feel for coverages. Yes. And Kadarius Tony doesn't have that either. Correct. Michael Hardman doesn't have that either. Correct. And that is why Rasheed Rice is jumping to the top of the pecking order because he just has this innate feel for how to sit down, squat down, and get open. And I think if he can just quell these concentration lapses, he had a drop last week, and he hasn't had a drop in a while. I'll give him credit for that, but he had a drop last week. He would have had a possible touchdown on that play, given the way he racks up yards after the catch in the open field. Very costly thing. And I'll also say this. What does it say about the trust level in the Kansas City receivers that came into this season that McCole Hardman, a receiver that Mahomes has famously not trusted at times in the past, was brought in because Pat trusts him more than the existing crew. I mean, that is that is a sad state of affairs. Yes, and also the opposite. They didn't make a move. So does that mean they believe in the growth and what they have here more so than going out and bringing in a more veteran wide receiver? Same thing with not re-signing Juju, although I will say I, I, will, I will die on this hill. I think he's done. I'm not trying to be mean to Juju Smith-Schuster by any means. I love what he did here. 933 yards. He was the leading wide receiver in yardage to hit free agency last year. He yeah. has 89 yards this year. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think the medicals, more than anything, personally, is the reason why the Chiefs offered him such a slim contract that was reported, right? I think the Chiefs knew, hey, we're on borrowed time. Those knees are toast. We're not going to be that guy. So when people bring up the name Juju, I'm the one trying to say, I think that was a smart decision for Kansas City to move on. I heard directly from a source that's known Andy Reid for a long time that, and I quote, Andy was worried about that knee exploding. So, and we heard the exploding knee, you know, elsewhere. So, eh, I, I, I mean, guys like Pop Douglas are playing ahead of him. Demario Douglas, you know, some guy you've never heard of before are playing above Juju Smith-Schuster. So let's finish up here with the running game. Isaiah Pacheco only received eight carries last week. Eight. The Chiefs will continue to lose if they don't run the ball more. Pump. Pump. Um, they are pretty darn solid running the football. I'm not saying it has to be 50-50, but this team is built different than it's been built in the past. The wide receivers, yes, they have struggled, but the defense has actually been extremely good, uh, and they've not just been good in the sense of they've had timely turnovers or they're giving up a ton of yards and they stop teams in the red zone. Here's the defensive numbers. Second in points per game, 16.1 given up. Fourth in yards per game. They are second in opponent points per play and third in yards per play. Oh, yeah, by the way, the third down conversion against them is 14th. Fourth down conversion is 16th. Red zone scoring is 15th. You know what that means? They're legitimately good. There's no fluky numbers here. This is my point. The defense is so incredibly talented. You can rely on them. The key is don't have interceptions. Don't turn the ball over five times. Don't be giving the other, the other team other, an extra opportunities. Now, offensively, the Chiefs have been 12th in points per game, but they've been fourth in yards per game. They've been more effective than we're giving them credit for. They haven't quite been as explosive, mm -hmm. but they're still racking up yards at a great pace. The difference is in the red zone, they stall. The red zone, they are 17th in the NFL in red zone scoring percentage. That's touchdowns, not field goals. They need to run the ball more. They get too cute. 
They're giving away possessions on first and second down. They're not running the football. They're running these cute trick plays. They're not working. And then you take yourself out of the potential ability to run the football because you ain't going to run on third and 10. My dog agrees. He's, a, he's up here right now and he's like, dude, dad, that was a great point. They need to run the ball more. And this is wild that I am saying this in the year 2023 with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. I get the efficiency might not be great. Lauren, I appreciate those numbers. Actually, Lauren Shanks, 28th and run efficiency. I get that. You still have to run a little more. You have to. You just have to. Man, it's crazy coming from me, too, because I am a uh, famous running game hater, uh, pass-happy aficionado, but... I got to agree with you, man. This is an obvious pump. I think Pacheco came out on one of his first runs and had an 18-yard run. Nice little spin. Looked good. Uh, I, th- I thought he was just getting going, and they, they kind of went away from him. And we know, I mean, look at that Miami performance. I mean, they ran for, they ran for a mile on, on the Broncos. Everybody runs on the Broncos. And uh, they have some good players in their secondary. So I thought the strategy, Patrick Mahomes is sick. You know, you've got a guy in Pacheco who can take some weight off Patrick's shoulders at a time where he's feeling too much weight on his shoulders because his receivers aren't getting open, aren't stepping up, have more drops than any other group in the league. Oh, I think they got to run the ball more. And, and maybe this has something to do with their tackles who are, let's be honest, they're weak run blockers, but they're interior. You will not find a better interior in the NFL, a better set of guards and, and a center than Creed, Trey, and and Joe Tooney. So I think they got to pound the ball. Uh, Also, another part of this, kind of galaxy-braining this, but if Andy Reid kind of gets more aggressive on fourth down, I think he might be able to run a little bit more in third down. Yeah. You know, if it's third and four and you know you're going for it on fourth, run the damn ball and make it fourth and two. And, and I see, and again, Lauren Shanks, I appreciate you with, with the numbers. And, and he goes, Andy uses short passes as an extension of the running game. I 1,000% agree, but they've been ineffective, it seems like, the majority of this year. I don't have the short pass numbers and ineffective numbers in front of me, but it feels like I've been yelling at my TV, why do you keep passing the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage? And then they are struggling to get back. Um, again, some, some numbers here, the Chiefs yards per rush, 4.2 yards a carry, which is 17th in the NFL. Not great, but middle of the pack. But they're running the ball 38% of the time, which is 28th in the NFL. Only three teams run the ball. I guess four teams run the ball less than the Kansas City Chiefs. You muted yourself. You got so angry, Adam. I think you muted I yourself. I did mute myself. I'm kind of. Look, I'm trying to look up their, their rushing uh, DVOA here on offense. 21st 21st so you know not not great not great and they're fourth in passing so i you know i get you got i'm the not best. staying 50 50 i'm neither, <laughs> neither neither am i but you gotta go you gotta go at least 65 35 right when you're when you're only running the ball eight times the threat is gone and also i just keep going back to your quarterback has the flu his receivers are struggling you're going against a team that is notoriously bad, historically bad, defending the run, and you abandon it. Uh, and, and just the your point about getting too cute on these short uh, short yardage conversions is just so apt. Uh, what happens to Andy Reid's brain when it's a third and fourth and short? The guy goes from the smartest offensive innovator we've ever seen, probably in, in the history of of professional football coaching to just a complete disaster, a complete mess. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe they need like a, a short game coordinator or something. It's me. I'm the short game coordinator. I'm running a halfback dive and halfback power. (laughs) Or, you know, you can just, I, I think on fourth and two, I don't know if it was this game or the, the game before, Patrick just threw it, you know? Also cool, too. Also I, cool. I am cool with a numerous amount of, of plays on third and short, and I don't know if I've seen any of them this year. Um, yeah, the problem is he lost, his, he lost his Michael Burton. You know, that was his go-to for a long time. Just yeah. 
give it to Michael Burton. And then once that fell apart, it was like, okay, I guess I've got the, the belldozer. Well, you have Blake Bell in the roster taking him a spot. You got to use him. Apparently, I guess he's forced to like, I, I, I will never get that, but uh, I, I would do the Billy Bean if I were Brett Veach and just and just cut or trade or do whatever I could to get Blake Bell off the roster. Just eliminate the option for, for because Andy cannot he cannot help himself with the Blake Bell, can he? Uh, no, he cannot. Well, guys, that does it for today's show. Big props as always to the chat. We appreciate you so much. Before you roll out, do us a favor by mashing that like button, and if you're not subscribing to this channel. What are you doing? We're working hard to bring you lots of great content and and we'll keep doing that. If you're an audio listener, go over to Apple Podcast and please consider a five-star rating. We've been working hard for it. We think we've deserved it. Uh, and if you do that, it will help us reach more cheese fans. We will be back next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Central. Same time, same bat channel. Until then, go Chiefs. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.